0: Hi everyone, it's Friday, I'm David, and because they signed their souls over to me, Jonathan and Jeff are here again.
1: Hi, please let me
0: out. Well we are, because we're about to burn the player contract and talk about games where actually playing your best is not a good idea.
1: Okay, so can I start with categories, please? <laughs> <laughs> you're
2: you're carrying a torch for this. Yeah, go for it.
1: Uh, well, it's a, a, I'm carrying a torch and also a gas can. Because, okay, here's how you win at categories. If you're going to play your best, if you enter into that game setting out to try to do as well as you can to win, then the first thing that you do is you just fill in the answers with whatever. It doesn't matter. The important thing is when it comes to the point where you're scoring... And the players have to come up with whether or not these answers are legitimate. So, supposing the letter is R and the category is household tasks, oh, and I, let and, me
0: guess, let me guess, let me guess,
1: rug. Yeah, there we go. That's this is the example I always like to give. Rugs. So, is rugs a household task? Well, cleaning the rugs is definitely a household task, but does this count? And the answer is. It counts if I can emotionally browbeat the other players and manipulate the other players and threaten the other players to the point where they say, okay, fine, it counts.
2: There's a great example of this in competitive gaming as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, it goes all the way from like category social, chill games all the way up to hardcore games like in Magic and X-Wing at competitive play. There's a term for people who are called angle shooters right. who are players who look for any possible conceivable... Uh, 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 break of the rules. For example, if you exploits, yeah, you look at your graveyard uh, in Magic: The Gathering, and you put one card. You like you're going. Your graveyard, your graveyard
1: is your discard pile.
2: Yes, yeah, sorry, thank you. You di- you go through your discard pile and you're sorting it through, and you put one card on the bottom without thinking, and then you put your great uh, your discard pile back. They will call a judge on you for rearranging your discard pile because right. that matters, and they can. And these people will
1: aggressively attempt to win well outside the bounds of what we normal play. And so, they're, they're, they're also in baccarat, there's something called edge sorting. The backs of baccarat cards have little dots on them, and it's impossible to cut them when you're manufacturing these cards. It's impossible to cut the to physically cut the cards and make the uh, the corners and the edges so that the dots are in precisely the same spot on every card. Which means that if you have very sharp eyes, you can actually the cards are very very slightly marked. Which means that if you are a very, very serious gambler, you can, through what's called edge sorting, learn to be able to recognize when certain cards are on the top of the deck. Because they're the ones that have the dots in that position instead of this position and uh, a lot of casinos obviously will kick you out in this case but you're noticing a theme here competitive magic games played for thousands of dollars competitive baccarat and and serious categories games with your with with your hardcore family who absolutely need to have uh, a one up on you at that family gathering these are games with very very high stakes where winning is essential to people's egos or to people's livelihoods you'll see this in sports as well with doping and with uh, with, in baseball with the of bats, baseball bats. This goes back to a ways. much
2: more reasonable variation of, of what you were saying uh, earlier in the week about people who will affect the game rules or, or sometimes not this. Well, this isn't necessarily, well, che- in background, right, as absolutely cheating, but in other examples, it's not actually specifically cheating.
1: Uh, it, but it's it, exploiting it's apparent weaknesses within yeah. the rules. Yeah. And um, this will happen in, in video games as well. People will find exploits that they can use that are entirely within the rules of the game, which give them an advantage that feels not fun. But if you go by the rule of play your best, then that means you have to do this. If you go by the rule of play your best, then hell yeah in categories you need to remind your spouse of that time when they were a jerk to you and how they owe you this. And they have to let you count this answer as being correct, because otherwise you're not going to score as many points as you would. And it's a game that actually encourages you to be emotionally cruel to the other players. This is why I hate categories.
2: Speaking of games that can do this, but however, I'd like to just take that, but where they can be fun. Hmm. A great example, Battlestar Galactica.
1: Okay. One of
2: the most aggressively social browbeating... (laughs) listen, no, listen to me kind of games. <laughs> listen to me kind of games you can ever be playing, where, for those of you who haven't played Battlestar Galactica, it's it's fairly complex in its play, but it all comes down to you need to try and survive over a series of rounds where death robots try to kill you on your spaceship.
1: It's, it's a complicated social deduction game. Usually yep. social deduction games are simple, like The Resistance or Good Cop, Bad Cop. We've talked about this before on the show, but BSG... Mm-hmm. Gives you like a four hour long experience with a lot more complexity. Who are the Cylons? Who is the Cylon sympathizer? Who are the humans?
2: And that's and that's the trick to the game is where the game shifts from other social deduction games where we are understanding the rules, sitting down where, to use its basis term, mafia. One third of the table are, mo- are, are members of the mafia or werewolves. Yeah. This is a more colloquial one people might know. So a third of the table are werewolves. We know they're werewolves. We're going to try and find them. Figure it out. We just don't know who's who. In Battlestar, the I, the teams change while you play the game. And that change is hidden to all players.
1: Right, so somebody who thought, started the game thinking they were human may discover that, oh, I was actually a Cylon all the time.
2: Or their objectives might change halfway through the game. And as a result, and because players have private as well as public objectives, depending on which player they are, especially when you get into the expansions, players are constantly trying to browbeat the table into either fitting in with their private objectives or once they've completed their private objectives getting people to stop doing whatever they're doing and help them win the game meanwhile a third of the table is secretly trying to take everyone down from within and trying to browbeat everybody else into not
0: actually helping themselves (laughs) and take actions that aren't beneficial to the table well and one of the interesting things about Battlestar is it also blurs the other players perceptions of whether you are playing your best Mm. Um, and I've, I've got a wonderful example of this there's a group called London on board I used to play with back in the UK and one of their members told me of a Battlestar Galactica game that was fully completed in less than 60 minutes, uh, which for anyone who knows this game, probably doesn't believe. Uh, but
1: oh, it, I believe it. It's just that it ended very, very badly for the humans. It
0: did. Uh, Admiral Cylon. Uh, so the Admiral is one of the robots that's trying to murder everybody. And he jumped the ship three spaces for three fuel, which for anyone who knows the game, you know, that's usually an amazing move to make. He did this twice. So they were over halfway to finishing the game, they just doled out the cards to change everybody's roles again, and he'd used up over half of their fuel, and then he fired a nuke at the civilian fleet and used up the rest of it. And they were stranded in space. And yet that three move for three fuel, you know, if you don't know the game, that doesn't mean much to you, but trust me when I say that's usually an amazing move to make as long as you're in the right place to do it. It is a move so optimal that even by nuking the fleet, if they get lucky, they could still very easily win the game. Like, they're they're inches away from winning the game. It was a gamble. It was absolutely a gamble. And yet it looked like they were playing so, like, optimally for the benefit of everybody else, and actually they were just screwing everyone
1: over. That reminds me of uh, how Dead of Winter can sometimes put expectations Mm -hmm. uh, in a different place. In Dead of Winter... Everyone, in addition to... It's, it's a cooperative game, like Pandemic, and there's a public goal. Everybody's trying to accomplish this goal together, and in order to win, the public goal, the public goal has to be ac- accomplished. But each player also has their own secret private goal that must be accomplished as well. So in order for you to win, the public goal has to be accomplished, and you personally also have to accomplish your secret private goal. If either one of those two things is not true. You did not win, although the other players might win. And that private goal is never something that's good for the rest of the group. It's always like, you know, you're a junkie, collect lots of medicine, or... Humanity needs to be punished. Make sure three other characters die. Be inefficient in some way. And uh, it's always stuff that if if the other players see you doing it, they'll suspect that you're trying to destroy the group from within. And, to make it uh, the the final straw here, when you play Dead of Winter, there's a 50-50 chance that one of the other players actually is trying to destroy the group from within. And... If you figure who they are, you really need to kick them out of the group because they're totally going to take it.
0: And yet the problem is half of those objectives make it look like everybody is the person. Almost
1: all of them do. Yeah, it's so well and done. So, so, so here's the question in Dead of Winter. Supposing the rule is play your best game. I imagine that play your best game, certainly for the Eurogamer types, is going to be try to improve your position as much as you can vis-a-vis the other players. Which means if you're definitely going to lose, make sure everybody else loses too. Um if, uh, if you can win, try to make sure as many other players as possible don't win, so that your final scoring, your final ranking, is as high as possible. Supposing you're getting close to the end of a game of Dead of Winter, and suppose you've realized that if you do what's necessary to accomplish your secret goal, you are going to make it impossible for the public goal to be accomplished. So it's one or the other. If you do your secret goal, that means everybody loses. Including you. Including you. If you do the public goal, that means the other players, the ones who manage to do their secret goal, will win. But you will not win because you're not going to accomplish your secret goal. By the player contract, you know, by the at least by the rule of play your best game, you should take the game. You should do your secret goal and make sure that everyone loses. So you're going to you're guaranteed to lose. So the other should lose too. But that wasn't what happened when I last played Dead of Winter. I was in a position where I realized that. That didn't make sense from the point of view of the characters I was playing. We had actually been a fairly altruistic bunch. And I deliberately tanked my own game to give the other players a chance to win. That made sense within the context of the story to me. And role-playing games like Dungeons & Dragons turn all of that Mm -hmm. on their head. Mm
2: -hmm. There's another element of these kind of games, especially with Dead of Winter and uh, Battlestar Galactica that we were talking Mm -hmm. about. There are all these games where more, more to run off your, your original thing of, you know, you're putting this choice of do you ruin the game or do you do your private objective or whatever. All these games where it has a social element has a big risk. And we've kind of shifted from categories uh, all the way up the spectrum mm-hmm. to the more complicated games we deal with. But there was one big thing that we definitely wanted to talk about, and that comes into play in all complexity of these games, and that's the alpha player. And this, especially
1: is in, in cooperative games, yeah, this is this is the kind
2: of player who, where playing your best
1: can ruin the game for everybody. It really can. I've I've been that player. And when you play a game like Pandemic, where everybody has access to all the information, then. If I'm going to play my best game, then what that means is I need to make sure that I try to figure out what your best move is and what their best move is, and make sure that I tell you what that best move is so that you're sure to make it, which means I'm playing your game for you, and you might not appreciate that particularly.
2: And it's and it's very it's a very insidious thing, especially when you play games right. like Dead of Winter, where by the nature of their rules... They are encouraging all players to be alpha players since everyone has contradictory objectives and everybody's trying to charismatically as much as they can (laughs) convince everybody to do what they don't want to do. But it's very easy for that mentality to leak into other games like Pandemic or Mm -hmm. likes categories or genuinely like Monopoly, where you'll see players tell people when to build houses in games of Monopoly.
1: Or when to trade stuff. You have to make this trade now or else you're going to lose the game. If you don't make this trade, you are sabotaging the game and you are deliberately trying not to win. And I don't want to sit with somebody who is deliberately not trying to actually play the game.
2: The worst, though, you are right, are are cooperative games where everyone has a shared objective because those are the games where... It's one thing to say, no, you're wrong. This is how I want to win when we have contradictory objectives. Sure. Or just to ignore you if I have uh, an objective that's separate from yours. Yeah. But once we're playing Pandemic and everybody wins together, it's very hard to Why are, to are you argue. trying to make
1: us all lose the game? This is clearly the correct move. Why do you want us to all lose? And yeah, that's mm-hmm. that's not that does not feel good for anyone at the table.
0: There is a the thing that interests me with this is that there's a game that kind of very masterfully demonstrates how you should play a game like Pandemic even though it doesn't actually kind of play the same way and that's Mysterium. Mm. Um where you want to make all the information accessible to all players because that opens up discussions that may change your mind. You know, you're the idea in Mysterium, uh, you're being given Oblique cards, which for anyone who's played Dixit They look like Dixit cards
1: Dreamlike Uh, images Yeah,
0: they're they're actually quite complex and yet also quite simple And you can interpret them however you want And they are trying to lead you to images that are on the table Clue style, find your person, find your room, find your object Uh, And all you have to work off are these clue cards And you actually want to put them all on the table And see if somebody comes up with another alternative For who you might be looking for But you're not looking for the same person as that person is You're looking for somebody different. So they can't beat you into saying, go for this one, because ultimately your opinion is going to be where it decides.
1: It's an interpretation. There is no... uh, The only objective answer is in the head of the one player who's not allowed to say a word.
0: Right. And there also comes the other reason why you want to display everything to everybody, which is the ghost who is giving out the cards, who is leading you to these characters. If you talk a lot about what you think, and other players talk about what they think... The ghost gets to learn how that person's mind is working. Mm-hmm. If one person is focusing entirely on the color of the cards they're being given and not the objects that are there, the ghost will give them cards where the color is useful. Hidden, and
1: hidden information solves the alpha player problem. It, it does. means that Nobody has enough information to correctly figure out what the move you should make right now is, which means everybody's free to play their best and they can't ruin the game for the other players because it's a matter of interpretation or it's a matter of, uh, of, of guesswork. Mm-hmm.
2: Any any restricted communication game is brilliant because it Hanabi, uh,
1: the Grizzled,
2: uh, Magic Maze, which Mm -hmm. came out recently, where players are objectively restrict like like not objectively are mechanically restricted from talking as part of the play of the game, or
1: real time games like Space Alert or XCOM, where you don't have Mm -hmm. time to tell everybody everything. XCOM is so good for that.
2: XCOM is great because, un- unlike the other ones we've just given, XCOM acknowledges the nature of the alpha player.
1: And gives them a job. So, okay, yeah. you are the alpha player. Your job is to solve the problems that the other players have caused. You get to do it this many times per turn. Enjoy. Mm-hmm.
0: And another one I think I, I enjoy for this is Xenoshift, uh, of which there are two, onslaught and Dreadmire. Uh, and the trick with those is, I can tell you as much as I want that I need this card that you're currently holding because it's going to fix my problem for me, but ultimately it's your decision whether to give it to me or not. And it's this interesting kind of co-op balance where I can tell you what the best move is. But again, like Pandemic, you can go off on your own, but unlike Pandemic, there's an element of uh, independence that can still be retained, even when an alpha player is trying to take the table. Unfortunately, much as I adore Pandemic, Pandemic Legacy in particular, I do think it's a game that is very open to inviting an alpha player to open up and, and take over.
2: Any public objective game where the whole table not, not a game like Dead of Winter where there are, are contradictory objectives, but any game or where players objectives. are yeah. Any game where players are knowingly working towards the same goal is a game where you are extremely at risk for having an alpha player.
1: And that's when the play contract becomes don't play your best game. Yes Instead, do what's necessary to make sure that everybody's going to have a good time
2: Which can be some some groups want a leader For but sure understand your group Don't talk over everybody Don't do the whole no listen to me thing when
0: everybody's <laughs> on your team Or maybe wait for somebody to say Actually, I don't know what move to make now What do you think? Yeah Because then at least you've been invited yeah, 100%. And, and it, it, it's always a communal discussion thing, and it's always built
2: off of what your group is up for. Um, And you'll get a good feel if people aren't down with you telling them what to do every turn pretty yeah, quickly. If,
1: if yeah, you, if you pay attention. So ultimately, if, if the first rule of the play contract is play your best, the zeroth rule is... Make sure everybody has a good time because they're not going to come back if they don't. Winning isn't worth alienating people from your group. And if you have that one person who has to win or else, mm-hmm. then they probably shouldn't be in your group, and they should probably pick a different hobby.
2: At the very least, if they're it, they're not playing the right games with your group, sure. or, or your group shouldn't be playing those games with them because mm-hmm. they're just not on that page. Don't don't ever address pandemic with the mentality of Battlestar Galactica.
1: Basically. Exactly.
0: And with that, I think that just about wraps up our discussion this week. Uh, thank you very much to Jeff and Jonathan for coming on and talking about this. Thanks for having us. It's a pleasure. Uh, you can get in touch with us at podcast at snakesandlattes.com to say hello and ask any questions or talk about the topics that we're discussing on the show. The Snakes Cast is produced by DAX Audio and music is provided by Ben Sound. Tune in next week when we are actually going to talk about resource management games. The opinions expressed on the Snakes Cast are those of the presenters and guests and nobody else's. See you next week.